Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And I am back with another installment of Undying Light. And I am, again, cracking through uh, the attributes of God. And so, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes in this series, I advise you to go back and listen to those. Because they are kind of the setup uh, for some of these upcoming episodes. Now... Um, the first one I did was just the intro to the attributes and that kind of just gives you, um, my plans and kind of gives you uh, kind of a sense of where I want to take this series. And then episode number two, which aired on May 1st, uh, I talked the first half of that episode primarily on the upcoming future with undying light and Paul leaving the show and starting his own podcast. Uh, cause I really wanted to spend some time highlighting that. Uh, I wanted people to really understand that, um, it was very mutual. There is no, um, hard feelings between Paul and I, and he and I are still friends. He and I will still collaborate on a lot of stuff. I'm going to have him on this show. Uh, I'm going to be on his. And so, it's just easier going forward to do our own separate work because he lives half a world away and it's just, it's just difficult. And, and I hope you all can understand that. Plus, uh, hopefully by the time this airs, well, let me think, nope, that still won't happen by the time this airs. So, um, I was hoping that, uh, I would be, um, uh, preaching, but, uh, by the time this airs, I will still have a few more days uh, to go because my next preaching gig is on May 10th. This will drop on May 8th, so I still won't have any news by the time this goes live. 
And even if I did, I'm recording this like two and a half, three weeks in advance. So I don't know anything, unfortunately. So the 10th is my next preaching gig, which is two weeks out, just a little less than two weeks out. And uh, I'm going to start sermon prepping for that. I believe the text is John 14. So I'm very excited about that. So I will have the audio cut from that sermon and will be up on my YouTube page. Um, probably that afternoon as soon as we get home. I am hoping that we do get some news in terms of uh, potential future ministry that day. So please keep me and my family in prayer as we are going through this. Um, The next few episodes are all going to be recorded well in advance. So any particular updates uh, in terms of the ministry life will come through Instagram Um, either live or through story uh, via the Reformed Lifestyle page, which, by the way, will be getting a name change at some point through the month of May towards probably the end of May. Uh, And I will be dissolving the Undying Light page too. So just some things to kind of be aware of that are coming down the chute. Uh, Other news, um, that's... Not not a whole lot really going on because we're all locked down. <laughs> um, my wife and daughter are visiting family this week, and so I figured this would be a great opportunity to get some episodes on the shelf and get some some uh, content recorded. And we will um, be airing these, you know, uh, every Friday going forward. So uh, I have a schedule planned out. If this goes the way I want it to the attribute series will be about 13 episodes long 14 if you count the intro and they will go until the end of July and then in August I will be picking up and doing an eschatology series I think I mentioned this on the May 1st episode so there will be a few uh, at least four episodes potentially up to six or eight in that uh, I haven't really decided yet on schedules and, and framework yet so uh, come June and July I'll start writing that out and getting those episodes built up and then after that um, I've been putting some more thought into it and talking with my wife and she gave me this great idea and I will be talking through kind of some of the more uh, lesser known and underappreciated if that's even a potential thing books of the Bible, stories of the Bible, characters of the Bible. So we're going to be looking at some things that you probably won't hear on a common basis in the church. So I'm really excited about that series. I don't have any idea how many episodes I'm going to make it. Uh, It could go anywhere between four and 10 or 12. I don't know. Um, That should take us well into the end of the year because by the time you get to August, if you think eight episodes, it's August, September, and then that would put us, you know, another eight would put us into December. And then uh, I might do a Christmas series and then we'll uh, look at 2021 into the next year. So that should be the rest of the year. And uh, I I hope it's uh, enticing enough that you just give it a listen. Like I said, I, I'm really trying to pin these episodes to about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on content. The last episode was about an hour, and uh, so it was about 30 minutes of talking about Undying Light's future, and then a good 30 minutes on talking about um, the attribute God's infant 
uh, infinitude, if you would, uh, and how uh, and how we just can't even fathom that. Uh, and and quite honestly, um, I really enjoyed recording that. It was really uh, on a limb. So as I mentioned, my wife and daughter are visiting family this week. So I planned out after work, I was going to come home and I was just going to record episodes and I couldn't sleep Sunday night. And so I woke up early Monday morning at like two 30 in the morning, could not sleep. I was wide awake. And so I got on the mic and started recording and I just went to town. I had the content already up on my screen that I wanted to talk about. And I just, just went through it. And I really hope it was edifying. It again, I'm not trying to make these extremely deep and I'm not making these academical by any means. You know, if you were to go sit in a classroom, you will be doing, you know, a a study on passages and you'll be looking at, um, you know, the original Greek and Hebrew of the text. You'll be looking at philosophy to support the, the attributes and the views of those. Um, because that's really the best measure to understand is looking at through the eyes of, uh, of some of the brilliant men that have come before us. So um, that's not my approach to this. My approach to this is to discuss it, talk about it, try to put it into a framework that people can understand it, go through some scripture and really kind of uh, relate it to how can people understand it and use it in their daily lives as Christians. Like, why does this have an impact on me as a Christian? And how can I take that and go forward with it in terms of this is what I know to be true about my faith and this is what I know to be true about my God? And then that's where this question really boils down to. What do we truly know about God? And you can say we know a lot of things and then we can say we know absolutely nothing. And I would probably venture to say both of those statements are actually pretty close to being true because in one aspect, we, we know what we know from scripture. We, we get a uh, painted picture of what God wants us to know. And that is what is enclosed in the 66 books of the Bible to the other extreme. We can say, well, we don't know anything because if God is, infinite and God is, guess what tonight's topic is, immense, then we really probably are only just scratching the surface and we really don't even know anything. Now I'm going to go and lean towards more of the first one that we do know something because to say that we don't know anything is to claim uh, ignorance and is to just be a fool because we do know some things about the character of God. And we know that God has revealed himself to us through scripture and through the eyes of some of the most intelligent theologians and pastors through the last 2000 years, we have gotten a a deeper understanding of scripture and doctrine and just the overall look at God's character. However, Everything must be supported by scripture. And that's kind of the approach that I really want to take with this. I don't want to be making some ridiculous claim or providing something on this series that isn't supported with scripture. And that's why I'm taking a very simple approach to it. And I really want to take this 
and and just make it as easy to understand and, and palatable palatable as possible for you to listen to because I don't need you going and you know being like oh, I got to take notes on this episode this is ridiculous and you're writing down my entire transcript of the episode because you want to you know try and take it and apply it I want to make this to be as simple as possible and uh, so that's what we're looking at today is God's immensity which is the vastness of God. It's the trying to measure God, which by the way, you can't possibly do. You can make this statements about God. You can say, well, uh, we can try to measure God, but then you already failed. And it's interesting because you can't even compare something to the immensity of God. You can go into the universe and you can find the most uh, v- blank spot, the, the, a void that's just so vast, it's just pure darkness. Not a star, not a s- galaxy, not a, anything in, 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 within light years. I, I don't even know what you can measure beyond light years. I mean... Just absolutely empty, vast, an empty void, and God is still beyond that. And you can even say he literally could hold our entire universe in the palm of his hand, and that's still an understatement for the immensity of God. And so to try and say that we can measure God, I think, is our first mistake when we are talking about this attribute. And so you can make uh, claims that God is so big and God is so strong and God is so mighty. And those are all true, but they don't even, they pale in comparison to understanding God at this character level. And so as I was doing some research, I was coming across quite a few articles and some really interesting things kind of stuck out at me. And I just think that it's just, it's so interesting how we try to approach this particular topic. Uh, on this one, it says that there's a, uh, this person's favorite childhood, childhood course is this, that my God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And this is describing the immensity of God. He is so great. He is so strong. He is so mighty. And there's nothing that he can't do. And that is true. And again, I want to really reiterate the fact that this just pales in comparison to the character of God. The attribute, the immensity of God means that God is so magnificent and of such magnitude that he fills every place with his presence and his being. He is above all things that exist and that have been created. He is not partial, he is not partially in any place and he is not partially in another place. He is fully present across all things, even that deepest darkest void of space that has absolutely no light, nothing. God is still there. And even in my living room as I'm recording this podcast, the presence of God exists here. And I think that's such 
uh, a, a beautiful and comforting thought because, you know, when you talk about God's, you know, uh, infinitude, that God is infinite, he's always existing and he's always present everywhere. All of these attributes, like I was saying in the last episode, play off of each other. They are all interconnected. And when you have one attribute, it is a signature to another attribute. And God being infinite is a signature to God's immensity. God is exists beyond all time and all understanding of time. Therefore, God is beyond all level of measurement. We can't measure him with time. We can't measure him with distance, weight. His, his, it's just nothing that mankind has can be applied to God in any of these attributes. We can't even, even when we get down to start measuring his love, we can say his love was so great that he sent his son to die for us. Yes, it's one little peak of measurement, but we will still never know the inner workings of God's love in that particular moment because it took the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to reconcile us back to him. And so when we really start to unpack these attributes, this common thread, you'll notice that on these episodes is going to start coming through that we can discuss it and talk about these things, but we have got to get past this idea that mankind has the ability to measure God whatsoever. And I think it's just, it it's a comforting one to me personally, because it's, it shows that our God is truly the God and creator of the universe. Because if he exists in all places at one time and exists above all these places and is still the beginning and the end, whatever we can fathom in our heads that the beginning and the end are, then that just goes to show that our God is truly magnificent and greater than any you know, lowercase g God that man has created and worshiped since time, whether it's Baal, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Mohammed, all of these are failed representations of what we truly need and want in our lives. And that is to glorify and worship the almighty creator of the universe. And we see that as David is writing in the Psalms in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. I love this scripture. I think it's beautiful because I can't even fathom what David is thinking as he's pouring out his heart here. How can you flee the presence of God? How can you run away from God? Because no matter what you do, he will be there. The Lord speaks to Israel through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 57, where the Lord declares, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Again, in Jeremiah 23, God says, Can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him? Says the Lord, Do not, do not I fill heaven and the earth, says the Lord. I, I find it interesting, especially this text in Jeremiah, 
We as sinners love our sin. We as sinners love to hide our sin. And we as sinners know that our sin is exposed to God. How can we hide anything? How can we cover up anything? When all things are exposed by the light of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. God says it here, can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? Next time we want to sin in private and sin in secret, we are truly sinning in front of our heavenly father. Even when we sin in the presence of other people, we are still sinning in front of our heavenly father who is perfect and just. And we will get to those attributes. But I find it just so funny that we we love to think that we can get away with it, that, well, maybe God won't see this time. Or maybe if nobody knows about it, it'll be okay. It'll be my little secret. And yet, Even the hidden things are uncovered. The light will shine into the darkness and expose our evil ways and expose the heart of man. And it just right there digs right into the heart of mankind. And as we continue on looking at God's immensity, I am still drawn even more to some of these statements, the Bible and the Christian faith all begin with God. If the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, then we must know him. It glorifies God when we know him more deeply and we can enjoy and serve him well only in as far as we know him, but we cannot know him in our hearts without knowing him in our heads. And this is coming from the Heidenberg blog, which I will uh, note in the show notes. By the way, I am going to do show notes now going forward for everybody. I'm very excited about that. I have not ever done show notes before, so you all will get show notes. I don't know how great they'll be at first, but hopefully as we progress, I will uh, do my due diligence and linking articles on what I am looking at for notes and what I take some talking points from, and I will uh, be able to give credit to some of these um, fantastic authors who have gone before me and have uh, done the the uh, research and have put the time into um, all of that. and Because I definitely want to make sure that uh, I give credit where credit is obviously due. I, am, I don't want to steal anybody's work, so that will be all what I put into show notes. And then yeah, a little recap on the show, and hopefully that uh, is a good starting point. So I, I think as we take a page from what uh, the Heidelberg the Heidel blog, if, if I say it correctly, is pointing to is what we've talked about thus far in the episode. How can we truly worship a God if we claim that we only know him in our heart? We have to know him in our head as well. We have to know who we are worshiping. We have to understand the finer characters of God, at least to what he has revealed himself to through his holy word like what calvin says here he says uh, that he describes scripture as god's condescending speech to us 
from the divine perspective, it is like baby talk. Divine speech to creatures is true, if not exhaustive, which Calvin notes in his Institutes to the Christian Religion. Thus, as he reveals himself to us, God uses, check out this word, anthropomorphisms. That is, that's a $20 word for you. That is, he attributes to himself qualities which we think of as human. The divine attributes are the, quote-unquote, essential properties by which he makes himself known to us, by which he distinguishes himself to his creatures. That is, they are those things which make God who he is. And I think that's a, a an absolutely amazing statement because what we see is that these attributes really are simply a means for man to understand who God is. What we do is we take and we apply definitions, words, in this case, attributes, so that way we can understand God. And what we see Calvin do is just that. He paints these pictures and gives us this definition that God is actually, you know, is revealing himself to us through these particular attributes. And I like what Charles Hodge says, that the divine substance and attributes are inseparable. It's what I said on this earlier in this episode and one on the first one. The one is known to the other. A substance without attributes is nothing. Example, it has no real existence. And we all have attributes whatever it is to describe ourselves as and when we are talking about god we paint him with attributes so that way we can understand who god is we're not going to say that god is tall because god exists beyond our means to measure him which means that god is immense and so let's continue on with our show and we are going to look at some of the more in-depth scripture and then we will talk a little bit more about uh, his immensity. So just to understand, it's not just a theologian's playground. The theological category which arises from God's self-disclosure in Scripture. And we will look at 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Uh, Solomon's dedicatory prayer says in part, O now and now, O God of Israel, let your word that you promised to your servant David, my father, come true. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. I think that's truly amazing because Solomon's making this statement that if the heavens can't contain you, why is my measly temple worthy of your presence? Why on earth would you come down and dwell in this temple? And I think that can be answered beautifully by that God wants to dwell amongst his people. And we see that uh, in the Ark of the Covenant uh, as they are traveling, as the Israelites are traveling and they carry the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Ark stays in tabernacles and tents. Uh, we see that God spends 40 days with Moses on Mount Sinai. 
Uh, we see that he visits Abraham. I mean, we see all of these pictures in the Old Testament that God actually, in some form, dwells amongst his people. And and I think this prayer, though, is so beautiful because Solomon, in his humility, saying, I built this temple. Yes, it's vast and lavish, but it is nothing that can hold your glory. You exist beyond this little four-wall temple that I built. You can't even be contained by the heavens. How much more worthy is this temple? I just, I'm blown away by that. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul had both of these truths, God's immensity and covenantal presence in mind when he said that in corporate worship, women who stand and pray should not do so with their heads covered in part because of of the angels. Whenever God draws near to his people in the Old Testament and smoke and fire, his holy angels are always attending him. Paul was saying, Yahweh is present when you gather, be careful. In 1 Corinthians 14 25, likewise, Paul, Paul's hope was that when an unbeliever comes to worship to, into the worshiping assembly, Christ's special covenantal presence in the assembly would be so obvious and overwhelming that he will fall down and worship the living God. And I find that as we start to unpack scripture, looking through the new Testament, we see this picture of God's glory being displayed in all of the worship and God's presence being exampled in all of worship as the writers are pointing out to these churches that God is present and we are to be aware and to be cautious of that. And I think that goes into sense of today's worship. When we gather in a church building, we are gathering into the presence of God. Now remember, God is still everywhere, but this is a group gathering where we come to collectively worship him. This isn't just our living room where we turn on the TV and watch a show. We are collectively coming together to worship God. And that is why worship corporate worship is so important that in in how we go about it why the liturgy is so important and why it must be not going outside the boundaries of scripture and the unfortunate side is as we have as i went through extensively on my church series uh months ago and how people abuse church service, how people abuse the liturgy, and how people abuse you know, the corporate time of worship. And for crying out loud, I mean, pastors are coming in on zip lines and dropping in from helicopters, and they have cars on stage, and they have basketball courts. I mean, this is, this is insulting to the just and holy God. You see none of that, none of the gimmicks and garbage play out in Scripture. You see a very set means to come and worship God. Scripture is read, the bread is broken, songs of worship and praise are sung, and there's no gimmicks. And uh, I highly recommend in this particular sense to go back and listen to a couple of those worship episodes because... I really covered some of that stuff a lot more in depth. But when we are worshiping God, 
we must take note that he is present because God is always present. So his immensity is, is so vast that obviously he is present with us when we go to worship. He's present in the cars we drive to worship. And so it, 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 to pay mindful attention to, you know, who our character of ourselves are, we shouldn't have this two-face lifestyle that, you know, we treat our families one way, but as soon as we step into or onto the property of the church, we're magically, you know, a different person. And, oh, you know, now I'm a nice guy and now I'm going to, you know, love my wife and my kids and I'm going to be so nice to them. But 10 minutes ago, I was yelling at them in the car. That always has to be in the back of our mind that God is present in those moments too when we fall into sin. Going back to earlier in the show when I talked about sinning in private or sinning with people, God is present in those moments and he sees that. He understands and knows all things that are going on. And looking at some other scripture, uh, mind you, the translations vary. Sometimes I use ESV. Uh, I will go to KJV, sometimes uh, NAS, ES, uh, ESV, I said that, uh, RSV. Um, once in a while I'll hit the NIV, but I generally don't get into that. But uh, just so you know, sometimes if you're you know looking at scripture as I go through these shows, uh, sometimes they just may be a little different. So just a cognizant because uh, I've looked at a few different ones already in the show and now I'm looking at an NAS. So uh, I'm going to look at, uh, I've already said Psalm 139. I'm going to look at Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where's a place that I may rest? And that goes back to what we were just talking about with Solomon, you know, in that prayer for the temple. It's it's just it, it makes th- this text in Isaiah and my I love it because it's like heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And now I work in IT uh, as my primary job and I have a little foot rest underneath my desk because I have to keep my feet up. Otherwise, I get achy and stuff. And so I, I just, I think about this little, you know, pedestal that I put my feet on. Now I'm not a tall guy or real big. I'm like five ten, whatever, two ten, And I just imagine earth being that little footstool for God. It just blows my mind. It's an absolutely phenomenal uh, uh, illustration here. Uh, Jeremiah 23 am i a god who is near declare the lords and not a god far off can a man hide himself in hiding places so i do not see him we've already kind of discussed this in verse 24 23 i think provides some good context to it uh am i a god who is near declares the lord and not a god far off so while we sit and think about the the just the range of God and how he's so far and so everywhere, but yet he says that he's still here and near us. Uh, Amos chapter nine, though they dig into Sheol from there, will my hand take them and through they, and, and, and though they ascend to heaven from there, will I bring them down though they hide in the summit of Carmel I will search them out and take them from there. 
and though they conceal themselves from my sight on the floor of the sea, from there I will commend my serpent, and I and it will bite them. Matthew 6, 4, So that your giving will be in secret, and your Father sees what you have done in secret will reward you. Uh, so a little context to Matthew. Um, Jesus is talking about, uh, obviously this is the Sermon on the Mount, and he's getting ready to uh, deliver pr- uh, the Lord's Prayer and teach Christians how to pray and he's telling people don't be like a hypocrite uh, in the context of Matthew 6 here don't be like a hypocrite standing on the street corners and uh, babbling your prayers and uh, you know saying you know Lord God 55 times in a prayer just be quick and concise in your prayers Um, I actually did a sermon series on prayer uh, that's on my YouTube page not super extensive but I think it was like I don't know, three or four episodes, uh, sermons long. So uh, check that out. I, I covered Matthew 6 in that a little bit more in depth. But it's interesting here, the correlation uh, to what we've already read in Jeremiah and in Isaiah and, and elsewhere, that there's nowhere you can hide that God doesn't see you. So whether it's committing a sin or going into the secret you know, closet or wherever you have for your prayer, God sees and understands that. I love this. Job 11. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than earth and broader than the sea. 1 Kings 8. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I built you. That's Solomon's prayer that I had said earlier. And again, some of this might be a little bit repetitive. I'm just kind of going off some of these lists I've pulled together. So um, deal with it. <laughs> That's what you get. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, Acts 17, and God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands. Ah, I love it. As you can see, we've we've gone through quite a bit of scripture, uh, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, we've discussed quite a bit on various writings that God is just simply beyond our our means to measure. He is beyond our means to comprehend. And again, more attributes that we'll kind of unpack as we get into this. So uh, scripture makes it pretty clear. Uh, I, I don't think we've you know, again, and there's plenty more out there too. Um, this is not an exhaustive list and this isn't even an exhaustive episode on God's immensity. And, and as I've kind of said a couple times already, what I really want to put together out of this is that these attributes play into each other. And so we will start to see, um, how God being, infinite and always existing plays into God being so vast and so strong and so fulfilling that we can't measure him. All of these attributes kind of start stacking on top of each other and play into each other. And without one, you can't have another. And so as we start to go through these episodes, we will start to really kind of see those foundations coming. So I want to look back um, as we close out this episode to the Heidelberg, uh, to the Heidel blog, I keep 
mispronouncing it, but uh, they have this uh, little section here on um, on prayer, and so I want to kind of read through this. Again, I will link this blog because uh, I definitely want to give this some credit because uh, I, I did pull some uh, some thoughts out of it. It's absolutely a profound blog uh, blog post on the immensity of God. So they write, have you ever thought about the practice of closing one's eyes in prayer? Has it ever struck you as an odd thing to do? It sometimes strikes me as perverse. It is true that we make our children close their eyes so that they will not be tempted to monkey around about when they mean when they are meant to be praying. But when we close our eyes, we do not thereby come any closer to God. Indeed, as a way of recognizing God's constant presence with us, Perhaps we adults should pray with our eyes open. It is a marvel that God upon whom we call in prayer is completely present. We cannot see or touch him, yet he is here, completely present because we are adopted sons in Christ. He is specially present with us by the power of the resurrection of the Holy Spirit. God's immensity means that God is not only transcendent out there, if you will, but he is just here with us. That is why Paul tells us, though he is not far from each one of us, Acts 17, as I believe I cited earlier in another (laughs) scripture. Again, kind of chopping on top of each other. But I think that's an interesting little, little paragraph here. When we pray, we close our eyes, right? We 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 squeeze them shut and we think that we're going to draw closer to God if we just squeeze our hands and close our eyes so tight and and what we should realize is that God is right there his presence is filling the room with us as i record this podcast god is in this room and and my prayer is that the words being spoken are the words that the holy spirit has put onto my mouth and on my tongue and I find this, again, not to digress, but I find this paragraph to be really interesting because, you know, uh, we, we teach our kids to close their eyes and pray just as it says. We, we don't want them to uh, not take this moment serious. We want them to, you know, when we pray, it's very serious, dedicated time to God. And yet as adults, we we kind of just play on it as habit that we close our eyes. And yet... I think it could be maybe a notion that when we pray, we, we, we hold our hands out and we open our eyes to the extraordinary blessings that God has given us. And that is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter about your financial status. It doesn't matter about your current well-being, your health, none of that. You are still blessed beyond all measure because you have Christ and having Christ means eternal life with him. And that is a blessing beyond all blessings. It's truly magnificent. And so maybe next time you pray, pray with your eyes open. Just kind of a little uh, exercise to see how well it plays out. Sometimes I, when I pray, it may not necessarily be dedicated prayer. It could just be kind of a, a conversing conversation and I'm praying as I'm walking through my house and doing stuff and I'm, you know, praying through God through things and that are troubling me and I'm trying to hash out stuff. And sometimes my prayers are done in uh, anguish and despair or uh, I'm angry or whatever it may be. And I, and I'm 
for lack of a better term, lashing out at God. Why would you allow this to happen? Oh, that's right. I'm a sinner and I need to be punished. But another story. Uh, so I'm going to finish this off here a little bit. Coram Deo. It is perhaps God's immensity, which is in view as much as the other attributes when we speak of living our lives Coram Deo before God. This is the force of the last half of Jeremiah 23, 24, which contains the rhetorical question, do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. The answer is yes, of course. So our response is to live in the spirit and conduct our lives morally before the face of God, who is completely present with us. My prayer for you is as we go about our day, think about the presence of God right there in front of you. Think about God being so vast and so unmeasurable, yet so personal and always near us. That, I think, is just, is just a beautiful thought to carry as a Christian. And, and I think it's the only religion that can come across and say that. That God, our God, the one that we serve, the one that created the heavens and the earth, is with us at all times. And, you know, there's other religions that, you know, talk about the universe, you know, things like that. Well, you can, they can make the claim that, well, you're a part of the universe, so the universe is near you. Well, none of that makes any logical sense because there's no, there's no supporting evidence to that basis. Whereas when we have the Bible and we have the Christian religion, we have all of this wonderful evidence dating all the way back to the creation. And we are constantly finding uh, archaeological evidences, you know, places that we are digging up around Israel and around the world that support the claims that Christianity is true. And so we continue to have the only religion that's fact filled and supportive through history and through physical objects that we can carry as Christians. And not only beyond all that stuff, that's, you know, you get into a bunch of apologetics there, but what I am just trying to say is we can make the claim that our God is present with us when we wake in the morning, when we travel to work, at work, come home, when we pray, when we lie down, when we sleep, he is there. When we go to corporate worship, he is there and he is present. And that is why corporate worship is so important and it is so important to do it right. And so as we go forward, I hope this episode is just starting to crack the shell in your mind that God is so vast, but yet so personable. And yet when we think about God and his attributes that we can say that God has no beginning and no end and that God fills every void, every nook and cranny, every crevice, every secret place, every known place. He overflows the heavens and he's covering the earth. He's at the bottom of the seas and he's in the top of the clouds. God is everywhere. And that is such a wonderful thing to uh, to hold on to as a Christian. And it is a beautiful promise to cling to as Christians as we go about our days and our weeks 
as this COVID is starting to hopefully unravel by the time this episode airs. Uh, as of right now, it's the end of April, and so Illinois, where I live, has been put back on lock down until the end of May. And there's a lot of people that are uh, really distraught and upset about it. And, and I think one of the things for Christians that we can cling to is the promises of God that he is still with us in these moments. When we turn on the TV to worship, God is in that in, in our living rooms and our kitchens and our bedrooms as we worship. And so we should be giving, you know, that focus, that time to focus upon Christ. And we should be listening to the sermons while I full heartedly believe that this shouldn't be a long term, you know, replacement for corporate worship. Uh, it's a it's a means to come and still remember and celebrate the risen Christ and what he has done for us. Because it's not about what we can do for God. It's what God has already done for us. And so this episode is just a few minutes shorter than last week's, which is totally fine. But uh, I think I gave you guys a lot more content this week. I hope this was edifying as we started to unpack this attribute. And I, like I said, I hope and pray that I did it some justice because it's kind of bouncing all over in terms of saying a few of the same scriptures a few times, but I think it, they, they have their place and they are truly worth repeating. Uh, I don't think you can be upset about repeating scripture. It's, you know, God's word. So that's it. That's what I, what I got for you. Remember living your life quorum Dale before the eyes of God and make sure that when you pray, you pray, you know, with the joy that God has filled your heart with. And if you're going to sin, sin knowing that God is there with you. As Luther says, sin boldly because Christ died for your sins. Sin is unfortunate plague to this life. And it is something that we will never be able to escape. But yet our God is bigger than that. Our God sent his son to die for us and forgive us of our sins. That is the promise of Christianity. And it is something that no other religion can carry. And that is why we are so joy filled. And that is why this COVID does not and should not scare us because our eternal life is etched with the creator. That's all I got for you guys. We will come back and do another attribute next week. Uh, I've got a couple people I'm going to get on, like I said, in the coming weeks. And so we will have some of those episodes dropping as well. Uh, as I am looking, I can tell you what next week's attribute will be. According to my schedule, we are going to tackle the just nature of God. And then we will look at uh, God being merciful. And then we will discuss God's love. And Anthony, speak gospel truth, will be on that episode with us. By the way, speaking of Anthony, uh, by the time this episode actually airs, the surprise and the cat will have been let out of the bag. And so I can talk about it freely. Wow, I am so excited for this project. Uh, beyond doing this solo series and taking on Undying Light, uh, I am doing a two-episode-a-month project with Anthony. And it is a casual podcast where we are going to just be discussing Christianity the Christian life 
We'll be taking questions from people. We will um, even try to get to a point where maybe get some audio questions we can filter in. Um, we will get um, um, uh, just all sorts of just random things. There's no uh, set platform in terms of like criteria that we're going to be talking about. It's just kind of uh, um, off the cuff type episodes. Very laid back, very casual and I'm very excited for this. So this is something that we've been talking about for quite a while. Um, and when this episode airs, uh, the first episode will air on May 15th. Uh, I got, I give the whole, um, you know, prelude to that. So make sure you listen to that. Uh, it, the episode is called a matter of truth. Check this out when it goes live on all major platforms, just like you find on dying light you will be able to find a matter of truth and we will just be hanging out and talking about all sorts of different topics in the beginning of that show. I give kind of a a heads up to, you know, the background to the show and how we came about it. So uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, It is not a a replacement to the, the show that Paul and I had done. It is something that Anthony and and I had been talking about months prior and is something that we were planning on just doing anyways as kind of a side project and just something to do. And so we had the opportunity to knock out some episodes and we are very excited about what we are bringing forward. So make sure you check that out. A matter of truth, it's going to go live May 15th. We're going to drop it May 15th and then the last day of each month. So the 15th, last day of the month, those are when the episodes will air whatever day of the week that falls on. And then Undying Light will continue to be published Friday mornings. So that's all I got for you guys. I hope you all have a great weekend and uh, a great start of the week. Make sure that if you have the opportunity to watch you know, a service, check it out. And that's it, guys. God bless. If you have any questions, DM me. Reformed underscore lifestyle on Instagram. Much love. God bless. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.